spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 142 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley. It is nice to be back in the studio, mainly because it's not as bloody cold as that walk, by, walk back was from mm. Fulham. How freezing did we sound yeah. listening back? David Cameron Walker is here. Hello. You well? Very well. Good. Any Sunday League calamity stories to get out of the way? I've got a feeling this is a good one because I did see something on Twitter over the weekend. <laughs> the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah, there is one. Uh, so for the first time, I should say it's the first time this has happened this season. I've been pretty much the first um, all season. I've been exemplary with my attendance and getting there on time an hour before kickoff every Sunday. No morning. matter what state you're in. However, this week did go out for a couple on Saturday night and it got a little bit out of hand. And I needed to be in South London in Tooting. I live in Hackney. Needed to be there for half nine, which means I need to leave roughly an hour before. It's quite a long way for a Sunday morning, really. Um, I woke up at nine. Right. First problem. You can't get there in half an hour. No. No, no chance. I was panicking because I knew we only had the bare minimum 11 players, of which I was one. This is like Middlesbrough at Blackburn all them years ago when to, they couldn't field a team. I had to be there. Couldn't let the team down. They'd be really angry at me. Uh, so I was panicking. I might have still been a little bit uh, merry from the night before. Taxi. I got a taxi on one of the apps. and uh, Is it the app that you can now pick your own playlist not on? Not that one. No, oh, no. it's not. Okay. Wasn't any of those available. It's quite cool, that, by the way. Different one. And um, So anyway, I got a taxi there and it, it came to nearly 50 quid. Ridiculous. It took, took about 40 minutes to get there. Probably would have been better off getting the tube, really. It was stupid. Anyway, come on. Anyway, so I get there. They've done this arduous cab journey. I'm panicking. I'm running across to in common because it dropped me off at the wrong side. And, and, I, and I can see in the distance the yellow shirts of Ribblesdale Rovers just in one goal mouth with no nets, just kicking the ball about to each other. And I thought, oh, please don't. <laughs> please don't tell me what I think you're going to tell me. And as soon as I got up to the pitch, they went, sorry, mate. Game's off. Game's called off. Brilliant. So. And it was an absolute disgrace. It was just the one goal mouth was a little bit muddy with a bit of water on. We could have easily have played. Oh, so it was um, sort of uh, the pitch was, was the it was problem. Pitch was called off. Oh, yeah, pitch no. was deemed unplayable, but it was an absolute joke. There you go. Uh, that's this week's story. Uh, I'm looking forward to what we've got next week. Um, it's been uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks in the Football League because we've had the FA Cup first round and we've had the international break, which have kind of messed things around a bit. But there has been one full set of fixtures uh, in each division since the uh, the last show we did at Fulham a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've been up in deepest, darkest Lancashire for the last few days. I was at Morecambe on Saturday. Uh, I'll make Kevin Ellison bang mm-hmm. one in. I'll tell you about that later. I was also in Preston for something I can't tell you about just yet. And I was at the National Football Blogging Awards at the oh, yeah. Football Museum uh, in Manchester. That fun? Yeah, it was good. Hosted by Kay Riley from Sky Sports News. Uh, big well done to all the winners and also loads of the lads from uh, Thrice Champions, the uh, Huddersfield blog and podcast. We met them. Uh, top bloke, so please go and download that. And uh, the only problem was the queue for the buffet. 
that was the only problem. I mean, it's a bit of a first world problem, isn't it? I, I admit. Yeah. Uh, but it was a good night. So well done to all the winners. Uh, before we get going properly, just want to say that thanks to Paddy Power, we can now offer you a special money back offer. Please do take advantage of this. It helps keep the show going and all that. So this is the deal. You just go to wearegoingup.co.uk slash Power, And basically, if you sign up uh, with a first time account and you bet five pounds, you get a free 20 quid bet. So you can't you say it fairer than that. You've got so. a full programme of Football League features to do it for Exactly. So please do go to wearegoingup.co.uk slash Power and please sign up if you want to have a bet this weekend because you can get a 20 quid free bet, basically, if you bet a five or so. Head over there. Uh, so, Uwe Rosler, out of a job at Wigan. We'll talk about that later. Also, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has got his first manager's job in England. Uh, Roy Carroll has been doing the air miles and we've got the ongoing situation at Sheffield United with Chad Evans to talk about a little bit later. Um, but after uh, talking about Fulham and Blackpool, two sides who were struggling last time, uh, DC, this week we're going to concentrate on two of the teams who've been success stories, you would say, yeah. in the Football League so far this season. Um, and who are these two clubs? Bristol City, mm. who were, until a few days ago, the only unbeaten team left in the Football League, and Bournemouth. Bristol City and Bournemouth. Uh, Sean, Thor- uh, Sean Thorne, if I can say his name, friend of the show, radio and sports presenter, and also your housemate. He's yeah. going to be popping into the studio to chat to us about Bristol City. Unfortunately, losing that unbeaten record at Swindon at the weekend. They're still four points clear at the top of League One. Uh, but first, we're going to kick off in the Championship with a team who sits second in the table at the minute. And it's not necessarily a team who you would have fancied to be there back in the summer. DC, have a listen to this. Here come the cherries and we're heading for the top of the tree. What do you make of that then? Tremendous. There's, there's not enough good quality football songs made these days are there really? certainly in the lower leagues they've disappeared that much is true uh, that is the theme tune uh, to all departments the Bournemouth podcast which you can download right now from iTunes or from alldepartments.wordpress.com and we're pleased to say that joining us on the line right now uh, we have the host of said podcast all departments Michael Dunn Mike is on the line right now Mike thanks very much for coming on the show can you tell us what that is by the way yeah, that is the Foresight Saga. It's called Here Come the Cherries. It was released, I think, the year I was born, 1972. And uh, there's a few vinyl copies knocking about, and yeah, I've got one, and I managed to managed to upload it onto the onto the laptop, so I use that for the podcast. Okay, it wasn't a top 40 hit or anything, I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't think it troubled the, um, uh, okay. the compilers of the charts, no. That's a shame. Um, let's talk about your team then. What a season you are having so far. Obviously, consolidated yourself in the Championship uh, last year. As we sit now recording on the 18th of November, you're second in the table. Is this sort of way beyond what Bournemouth fans were expecting at this stage? It's a bit of a surprise. We had a really good season last year and we had a spell in March in particular and then well, we faded a little bit towards the middle of April and just missed out on the playoffs but we we played five or six games where we played this sensational football and we were blowing teams off the park and I think the fans at the start of this season kind of expected more of the same and we won our first two games and we were top of the table we obviously don't really count after two games but we were top of the table for about 10 days and then we had some patchy form after that and lost some games we really should have won. We lost at home to Nottingham Forest when we were fantastic for about an hour. We managed to get the sucker punch after going 1-0 up and lost that one 2-1. We lost at home to Leeds in a game we played really well in the first half 
went in one nil up, but just fell apart in the second half. And we dropped points at home to Rotherham as well. And then obviously we lost a few away games. But we had some good draws away from home, places like Norwich and, uh, and DC's Watford. Uh, and so the signs were generally good, and the manager was uh, reassuring the fans that it was all going to all going to work out. And he was as good as his word because, obviously, as you know, just before the international break, we started had a couple of wins against Wigan at home, which shored up the home form a bit, and then we won away at Bolton, I think it was. Uh, and then, obviously, ever since the last international break, we've won every game apart from the most recent game when we drew away at Middlesbrough, which is a good result in itself. You've beaten Premier League opposition already this season in the Cup. Um, you know, I've seen interviews with your players saying that they're good enough. Well, obviously, they've been asked about promotion, the chances of promotion, and that there seems to be a belief within the squad that they would be good enough to, to get promoted and, and do well in the Premier League. But, I mean, what the question I would ask you is, is, is there enough depth in the squad to sustain this challenge over, over a season? Is it, is it a real thing? Is it on now? It's the most depth we've had in the squad probably ever, certainly since I've the club and I started in the early 80s we've had 10 changes when we played West Brom and in the middle Alan Irvine changed his team as well he had 10 changes that night, but he brought on in the second half the likes of Berahino and Sessignon and our second string as it were went toe to toe with them and knocked them out and I think yeah in terms of how we've got enough depth in the squad I think we have the only area of the team I would worry about a little bit is up front. We've got Callum Wilson, who's proved to be a brilliant signing from Coventry. And he's got 11 goals in all competitions so far this season. But apart from that, we haven't really got anybody who's looking like they're going to support him in terms of the forwards and get enough goals. We've got some good players up front. Jan Kermigan, who did really well for us last season, but his goals have dried up a little bit this year and he got sent off and missed a few games. Brett Pittman, who's been at the club a long time, did brilliant for us in League One, but has never really found his feet in the championship. And we've also got another, well, big money signing for us. It was about two and a half million at the time. Tequila Ranty, a South African international. He scored for South Africa against the Sudan this week. But he has only probably scored, I think, five or six goals for us in in the year that he's been with us. It's over a year now. And so, yeah, apart from possibly looking to get another striker in there, you know, the hardest players to find, and obviously for a club like Bournemouth to attract them as well. But yeah, I do think it is on, uh, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if we got in the playoffs. You mentioned uh, Callum Wilson in there, obviously signed him in the summer, as you said, from Coventry, um, and he played for the England under-21s for the first time uh, in the last uh, week. And um, how does he compare to to Lewis Graben? Because you lost him in the summer to Norwich. Um, Have you been surprised by the impact he's made? Yes, I have. Graben was fantastic for us last season and he was a major reason why we did so well. He played up front quite a lot on his own, particularly away from home, and he covered the entire final third of the pitch and he just was one of those forwards that would run all day and chase lost courses, hold the ball up. He had a great first touch and obviously he had the goals. So when he went, I thought we're going to miss him and at the start of the season, even though Wilson was getting a couple of goals, I thought, hmm, I don't know if this is going to work out. He's a completely different player. He's probably a better finisher. He doesn't cover as much ground as Graben did, but he might not need to the way we're playing at the moment. But he's faster. He can play off the shoulder of the last defender. And what he's fantastic at 
which I think probably puts him slightly ahead of Lewis Gravenitz. Finding that extra yard of space in the six-yard box, that's where he does his best work. And he just seems to stroll. I watched some of his goals back <laughs> a few times uh, on slow-motion replay, and he just seems to stroll into a yard of space between the two defenders, and invariably the ball finds his feet or his head, and that's where probably half his goals have come from. Uh, now, Michael, I'm going to bring the mood down slightly. Oh, what? Good things are going for you on the pitch at the moment. Um, it's not all rosy off the pitch. Uh, financial fair play specifically is what I'm talking about. You posted a 15.3 million loss in 2012-13, uh, which were the results that came out earlier this year. Uh, you Among the top 10 clubs in terms of spending on agents fees last year. Um, so, I mean, are you concerned that going forward, you know, if the club don't manage to get up into the Premier League this season, you could be in some real trouble with FFP? Uh, yes, <laughs> having supported Bournemouth, as I said before, for a long time, we have been over the years the kind of poster child for how not to run a football club. And we've seen a lot of clubs, Coventry, we mentioned there, my dad's a Coventry fan actually, uh, Portsmouth, has, you know, loads of examples of teams that have crashed and burned after trying to either make it in the big time or get up there. And yeah, so obviously I am worried and I think most fans are. We're enjoying the good times whilst they're rolling. We've got a a very um, reclusive but also apparently very supportive owner, Maxim Demin. He's a a Russian petrochemicals trader. You know, reports are that he's got either millions or billions. There never seems to be any certainty over this. And when he first came into the club, uh, he took 50% ownership. And I think there was some doubt amongst the fans just, I mean, it's a little bit, xenophobic but just the fact he was a Russian and thought the money was dodgy and all this sort of thing but his relationship with the manager Eddie Howe and the players has always been talked of really warmly and they seem to think you know by all reports that he's going to do the right thing by the club so there's always a possibility that he'll walk away or something will go wrong and we'll, yeah like you say we'll, we'll just fall back down the leagues but at the same time we've never had any real success and so we're enjoying it whilst it lasts and if it does go wrong we'll only be back where we were before anyway because I, I can't see us going out of business because football clubs hardly ever do I mean that is a fair point you're right that they, they don't they, they rarely go out of business but they certainly um, you know come close they come very close indeed <laughs> yeah. but I think the, you, you make the point there about the owner not not abandoning you and that, that's all well and good but financial fair play you know still can come and hurt you here because the whole point of it is that you, is to encourage clubs not to be relying on handouts from owners. You know, QPR, the most high-profile example of this. You know, you've got to break even. You've got to have the, the the club's books have got to be balanced, and you know it can't just be from donations from an owner just simply um, swelling the coffers through his own money to you know to protect against that very situation that you talk about. You know, if the owner was to to disappear one day. So how I mean, how are you going to turn around this this loss? I mean, it's going up each year and you know to chase the dream of a, of a Premier League promotion push there might be pressure on Eddie Howe in January to strengthen the squad these things have got to be thought about well maybe yeah. the pre- maybe maybe getting up to the Premier League is the answer because that's well, what the riches are in case that is the point yeah but you know it's not necessarily sustainable over the long term yeah I think it's the Premier League is a double-edged sword because in the unlike I mean like I said I think we can sustain our push at the top of the table or near the top of the table and then there's a possibility that we could get promoted although I'd still be surprised if we actually went up I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're in the playoffs Uh, but in the event that we did go up I 
think like quite a lot of fans, I'd have mixed feelings because you kind of then find yourself in a situation where you're dancing with the devil. The money's pouring in, but it's also going out very quickly. If you want to compete, you have to sign more players on higher wages. We don't have a big fan base. We don't have a big stadium. So we don't really have any other sources of income that can shore up the losses. Uh, and that could also be the case, as you said, from just being in, in the championship. So financially, we're, we are playing a dangerous game in many respects. And it's only through the goodwill of the owner that we can sustain it because we can't sustain it through any other kind of commercial income. So if it wasn't for him and if he disappears, then we're in trouble. In terms of financial fair play, the chairman, Jeff Mostyn, is, uh, who has by and large proved to be a reliable person when he's made statements in public has assured the fans that we will meet the financial fair play stipulations. I believe it's this month when this is published or maybe next month when, when uh, teams have to meet it. And he, he was very uh, clear in his statement. He said, we'll definitely be all right when it comes to financial fair play this year. And he was lobbying the football league. I think it went through recently for a rise in the financial fair play next year. So from what I know, uh, we're going to be all right in terms of we shouldn't get a fine or a points deduction or anything like that. But I agree with what you say. It is treading on thin ice financially. Now, uh, let's talk a bit about the Capital One Cup, if we can, because you made the quarterfinals. Obviously, not take Premier League opposition, West Brom, uh, as you mentioned earlier in the last round. You've got a home tie against Liverpool to come on the 17th of December. Um, Daniel Sturridge has got injured again on the night we're recording this, so he, mm. we don't know how long he's going to be out for. You've got an opportunity here. I mean, there's not many Football League sides left in this competition, but if you could uh, get past Liverpool, you'd be in the semi-final of a domestic cup, which again will be another high point in your recent history in, in our entire history <laughs> fair enough yeah. we've, been, we've been in the final of the of the Johnson Paints trophy but we've never been in the semi-final of either of the, of the major cups and this is only our second ever quarter final the last one was back in the 50s that was in the FA Cup so yeah we're, um, we're, we're breathing rarefied air for our club at the moment so yeah I mean we're, we're in the last eight like you said Liverpool aren't firing on all cylinders they may or may not play their strongest team uh, we're playing really well at the moment so there's a few weeks to go yeah but if we're still playing the way we have been playing and if they haven't found any form then there is a chance of an upset and ties like this if you if you were to beat Liverpool even if you give a good account of yourselves another sort of side effect is that it shines the light on Eddie Howe uh, a manager who a lot of people think very highly of he he left, you know, did ever so well in his first spell at Bournemouth and then left to Burnley. Didn't go so well for him up there. Came back to Bournemouth. Seems that he's got a really good thing going with Bournemouth. But if you continue to do well and Bournemouth don't get into the Premier League, don't think it'll be too long before opportunities come knocking for him to take the step up. I mean, are you worried that you'd lose him if you don't go up? Um, yes and no. He's said this week, he said it in the Independent at the weekend and he said it before in the local media since he came back from Burnley that he wouldn't leave the club of his own accord. That could be tested if he got an offer from a bigger club. But I think his family situation plays a big role in his decisions. He, he said a few times in the media that he went up to Burnley because he wanted to, to test himself. And he, he kind of had a few job offers at the time. He had the, the Southampton offered him the job after Alan Pardew. He was offered the Palace job. He may have been offered one or two others. Um, he turned them all down and then... We were all surprised when he went for Burnley. Uh, but anyway, he went up there. It didn't go that well. He did all right. They didn't do you know, horrendously 
badly, but they didn't do really left. well either. <laughs> That's true. Sorry? They've done better since he's left. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although some of the, quite a few of those players he signed, like both yeah, teams, yeah. they were both at Bournemouth and mm. uh, they were players we had to sell on to make ends meet. Um, unfortunately, his mother died whilst he was up there and he said he wasn't able to grieve properly and he felt too far away from his family. So that was certainly one of the reasons why when the opportunity to come back to Bournemouth arose, he came home, as it were. And he, he said that, you know, this is something that's taught him a lot about what's important in life. I think his ambition previously outstripped his um, his thoughts about his, his, his own personal happiness, whereas I think those things may have come into a bit more of equilibrium now. And also as a player, he was a brilliant player. He played for the under-21s a few times himself, but he never fulfilled his potential because he did his cruciate, I think, in his first game for Portsmouth when he got transferred there. And then he, his career kind of came to an end in, a, in terms of, of getting up and playing in, in, in the Premier League. I think he's had, he's had the burning ambition to, to show himself as a manager and to succeed in football at the highest level. Um, so he could be offered jobs at better clubs. I worry more, I say better clubs, I mean bigger clubs. <laughs> I worry more that, that if we do go up, there's a chance that, you know, we're obviously a, a very small club in terms of, well, he, even in terms of the championship. So if we're going to the Premier League, you know, we'd just, just be these minnows uh, uh, amongst these European footballing giants. And if we were bottom of the league, like Burnley are suffering at the moment for a long time, then the fans could start to call for his head and the owner might lose patience and get rid of him. But I think that would be a massive mistake. You know, I think we should stick with him. There can't be another manager with such bulletproof credentials in the entire professional game in this country. He supported the club as a boy. He played with distinction and now he's managing with distinction. And if we got rid of him, we'd kind of lose our identity and things would unravel. So, you know, if everything's rosy at the moment, and long may it continue. Definitely. Big game on Saturday as well. You've got Ipswich at home. They just keep coming, don't they? Yeah, well, they're up there as well. It's pretty tight up at the top. It's nice to be looking at the top of the, top of the league, especially the championship for a change for us. Um, we've done well against all the teams who are in the top half of the table. They'll be, I'm sure, looking to, to put one over on us. But I, mean, I should say on the subject of Eddie Howe, he is an outstanding manager, and I think there's a chance he could have a big impact on the game in this country in the next, well, 15 to 20 years. He's, he's only 36. And the way he, he plans, he's so meticulous, he works so hard, he's like the ultimate professional. And you talked earlier about uh, the players talking about how they could have the confidence to sustain their challenge. It all comes from him. I think Bournemouth have suffered from an inferiority complex over the years. But I think he's kind of brushed that away with his attitude and then he signed players and and, uh, and transferred his attitude to them as well. And obviously it's paying results at the moment. Sir Eddie Howe one day, maybe. You heard it here first. <laughs> He's already Sir Eddie Howe in these parts. I thought so. Uh, Michael Dunn, uh, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, all no the best, problem. Michael. Uh, that's yeah, Michael, who is the presenter of the All Departments Bournemouth podcast, which you can download right now on iTunes. Uh, next, we're going to turn our attention they to... Le- re-release that song if they go on. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Uh, next, we're going to turn our attention to League One, and we've got a very special studio guest. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So joining us in the studio now then is 
BBC Radio Bristol's radio presenter, sports presenter, whatever you want to call him, Mr. Sean Thorne is back. How are we doing? You all right? First appearance in, was it was it last season, the sacking while. special? Yeah. Certainly in the studio. I'm just thrilled to bits to be brought in on, <laughs> yeah, under positive circumstances. Because usually when you're on, it's, it means bad news, it doesn't it? It usually means the Bristol clubs are going down the pan. Yeah, so but um, quite the opposite. I mean, you did lose the unbeaten record. This is Bristol City losing <laughs> the first game of the season, 1-0 away at Swindon Indeed. on Saturday. But before that, 22 games unbeaten, the longest unbeaten run since 1906. Well, it was two games away from their longest oh, unbeaten right. so, okay. start. Right, okay. Season but what season so far? So it's been it's been fantastic for City so far. The the the, the main things that you can say about it, Steve Cottrell, since when he when he arrived at the club, when they were sort of flirting with relegation from League One to the turnaround to now in twelve months has been absolutely unbelievable. Bristol City have got more points now than they did in March, which is quite ridiculous. And is it fair to say that that would be a surprise, considering that Steve Cottrell, he hasn't always been the most popular of managers during his career. And he wasn't a popular choice when no, he came in. I can remember that there was quite a lot of opposition and there was quite a lot of sympathy among certain section of the crowd at Bristol City and, and the wider footballing sort of uh, fraternity, if you like, towards Sean O'Driscoll, who was a very well-liked figure and he... People thought that maybe he needed more time, but you can't argue with it in hindsight, can you? It's quite interesting comparing the two, really, because I remember Sean O'Driscoll was always, he was always a, a, a good favourite for any, when any time a, manager, a managerial vacancy came up at Bristol City, Sean O'Driscoll was always a name which came up because he played attractive football. It was always football on the ground. It was, it was, it was free-flowing football. And Steve Cottrell, who was also during those times sort of vaguely linked with us, it was always, oh, Steve Cottrell plays hoofball. It's unattractive football. But when, when you compare the two reigns at the moment with Sean O'Driscoll and Steve Cottrell, it's, it's, it's kind of chalk and cheese because Steve Cottrell is definitely not playing hoofball at the moment. The, the, the football that Bristol City are playing is really, really good. And a lot of the people saying who have been down in the games very regularly and a lot of things that I've seen, um, compared to even some of the time in the championship, the football that City are playing uh, is a lot better comparatively. To when to when we were up at up at the higher level, uh, Lee Power, the Swindon chairman, is not too happy with Steve. Cottrell, no, he's though, not. Is he? is he? No. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I saw did, that. Yeah, I'm I not sure. I'm, I mean, because I worked, so I, I was working that weekend when City played Swindon, and I'm not sure what what game he was watching because I don't think you can say that Swindon battered us for the whole game. Even with ten men, I think City definitely. Uh, Put put their fair stint in, and it was it was no means. I mean, I think when when someone batters someone, you're looking at a sort of three nil four. Was it a harsh scoring. red card though? So early on, it was soft. It was, was soft. Ball, I've looked it? I've looked at I've looked at the replay a, a few times, and there's a sort of a scuffle going on, but there's nothing there conclusive. And what you can say is like Wade Elliott deserved to be concretely sent off there, and and uh, Steve Steve Koch, they, they they've launched an appeal. And I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever to see that red card be overturned. Uh, you were going to mention the goals as well, DC, the, the sheer amount of goals they've scored this season. Well, 33 in the league, which is actually the same as Swindon, um, but that's the joint highest in the league. Um, but it's been they've been shared around the team quite evenly. Uh, Aaron Wilbraham with nine goals as the top scorer, Kieran Agard with seven. But then the rest behind that, it's all twos and ones here and there and everywhere. So, so that kind of suggests that the team, like you say, might be playing attacking football and that goals can come from all, all over the park. It also sort of puts to bed the argument that, oh, that strike force, they need time to gel, they need time to bed in. But Kieran Agard and Aaron Wilbraham seem to have just settled quite quite nicely. They're both working well together. 
to score goals. And again, the, the goals are coming from around the team as well, which I think, again, is is part of what Cottrell's done there, that every that the, the team's very flowing, everyone's sort of chipping in. How's Jay Emmanuel Thomas doing? Because he's a player we talked about before, and I've heard you talk about him before, that he's a player that has not always fit in he with the systems at his clubs. Yeah, and, and he, he did look at times under O'Driscoll that maybe he was a player that was going to fit his style of play. Um, and I've seen him score, again, whenever I seem to see him score, they all seem to be spectacular goals. But is he playing well and consistently? The, go- the, the goals he's scored this season have been unbelievable. But he's not, he's not featured throughout uh, this season. He's, he's mainly featured from the bench. I think that's mainly been, been part to the, the, the rest of the team have been playing... Yeah. So well, but the thing is with Jay Emmanuel Thomas, he splits opinion because when he because he's he's quite a flair player. When he's not involved, when he's not scoring goals, he looks like he's doing nothing, which frustrates Bristol City fans because Bristol City fans they love someone with a bit of bluster about them. They're someone who's going to get their foot in it's like medieval football. They love that. Like I mean, they, they, there's a lot of forgiveness for someone who's going to get stuck in in inverted commas. And J. Emmanuel Thomas isn't that sort of player. But when it comes down to it, he can just bring out a bit of brilliance out of nowhere. And then sometimes that can get forgotten when he's brought in. I mean, he has contributed to goals this season. He's come on and he's made a couple of assists which have been quite cheeky and quite full of flair as well. So J. Emmanuel Thomas, he's not not in the same role when when Sean O'Driscoll was here because he was put in a free role where he could sort of do what he wants and uh, come out with these sort of ridiculous goals out of nowhere. But he's still contributing, and he, see, and he seems happy enough. I thought he would, we were, we were going to lose him. And long-term listeners will remember he was your mate from the Johnson's Pain Trophy last season, wasn't oh, yeah. he? yeah. How could I forget? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, me and Jay Emmanuel Thomas. I hope he's forgotten that. Well, um, I certainly did. I can remember it. We'll but. gloss over it. Um, <laughs> the next two games that Bristol City have got are Preston at home and Peterborough away. So big uh, games. Big games. So well, this the Preston one, the, I mean, the Preston one in particular is massive. They are what they are. They're in third place. They still got yeah, a, but a lovely mean, five point cushion over them. But if you if you if, you know you've had this fantastic start to the season, the unbeaten start to the season, you lose it in maybe unfortunate circumstances to Swindon. If you follow that up with a loss to the team in third place, Preston, all of a sudden psychologically. That's a, that's a difficult challenge to overcome. I mean, you're saying that, but I mean, if you look at the League One table, the, the, the difference between second and, say, sixth and seventh is so tight. The, the, the games with City with first and second, first and third, they seem to be every other week. So it's either MK Dons, it's Preston, it's Swindon. There seems to be another contender who's going to be in second and third every other week because it is so tight in that area. And, and you make a, a massively good point. How are City going to react to that loss against Swindon is it all going to implode is the confidence going to fail I don't I don't think it is I think I think the team spirit is better than that and also as well I don't think the nature of the loss in Swindon makes it really truly something that detrimental to the confidence so they'd have turned us over at the county ground then maybe I would have thought okay we might have had a problem here but with 10 men they battled really really yeah, well point to prove and, and and again Swindon they did have a point and you could tell by that by the, by the celebrations they had at the end and the way they sort of treated the Bristol City fans and the way they treated the Bristol City players in the tunnel afterwards, which was a little bit of controversy. But I think with City, with their performance with 10 men, holding them for as long as they did, and the goal which Swindon scored, if, if, if you'd seen it, it was a really, really class goal. It was goal. a the, great goal. The, the, the striker did... The little re- Michael Smith, was it? Yeah, the, it was a little chimney and... Yeah, yeah, it was a really... I mean, Lee Peacock, who was commentating at the time, he, he, he called it a world-class goal. I'm not sure what Lee Peacock's <laughs> authority is on world-class goals is, but he, he, he described it as a, as a world-class goal. Turning up 40 minutes late for commentary as well. Unbelievable scene. That is 
Disgraceful. Um, I was going to say, uh, I often ask this question, but um, we often hear about the goal scorers and the players that make the headlines. Um, just looking down this uh, this squad, maybe a couple of unsung heroes from this season so far well, you can offer us? Especially in the back four as well, because I think the back four is very much unchanged. Aidan Flint has been an absolute rock. He came under a lot of stick. He's weighed in with four goals as well. And he's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's contributing at both ends. Like he's a, he, he, he was someone who came under a lot of stick last season, is not being good enough because he was signed for 300000 pounds from Swindon wasn't it yeah from Swindon from Swindon Swindon fans aren't exactly a massive fan of him either but um, he he came in with that price tag and Bristol City fans yeah they, 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 they they were quite critical of him last season but the amount of vital clearances that he's made has been it's been too many to count. I think. I think if you're going to say about unsung heroes, I think Aidan Flynn. In, th- in fact, I think he probably at this stage, maybe with even the player of the season, even with the firepower up front, I think he's been crucial at the back for Bristol City this season. DC, any any more on Bristol City, or should we open this out? Well, no, I was just going to ask a question. Like you uh, earlier on, we talked about Bournemouth's sort of uh, financial situation, and it's it may be going well for them on the pitch, but off the pitch, they've got some work to do to get their house in order if they're going to have a steady ship going forward. And I wonder what the situation was at Bristol City because um didn't spend a lot of money in transfer fees in the summer, but you did bring a number of players in uh, on free. Well, and I, I do remember, I, I believe, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Darren, Darren McAntony. It was either Darren McAntony or, um, or Steve Evans at Rotherham, one of the two. <laughs> Um, who, <laughs> I mean, two well, figures. Those, those two guys, not, eh? Not, <laughs> not, classics. Not scared of coming forth with an opinion, either of those guys. But anyway, um, we're saying that they were competing for players with Bristol City uh, in the summer and they just were astonished by the, the level of wages that Bristol City were offering compared to the wages they were able to offer for similar players. So I, mean, I don't know whether there is any concerns behind the scenes that you may be spending beyond your means like you have done in the past or is it all going okay, do you think? Well, I think you've just touched on it there because, I mean, the players in question, Kieran A, and Luke Freeman, they 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 attracted interest from teams from the league above. But City went down that route before. They went down the route of spending above their means and and throwing money at being able to move up. The, and it didn't work. It just didn't. It, it got us absolutely it nearly, nearly did. No, well, well no, well, wind us. <laughs> Why are you doing sorry, that? Sorry, well, we didn't need that, did we? Sorry. Why are you speaking his name for? Um, but yeah, it got it, it almost got us there. But I think. In fairness, I think Steve Lansdowne, I'm again, he's a businessman. He's got his head screwed on. And I don't think that he's going to go down the same route again because the losses there were unbelievable. And again, that was before financial fair play. And that is going to I mean, be... You are an example. I say nearly worked. That is a perfect example of, you know, boom or bust. You, yeah. you came ever so close. And if you don't get it, it's everything, everything, you know, falls apart and there has to be a middle way. So I don't think, I mean, I mean, Darren McAntony and uh, Steve Owens, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to have their, they're going to have their opinions, but I personally don't think that that's not the case. I, I, I honestly think that we have got a way, that City have got a wage structure in place at Ashton Gate and I don't think they're moving too past it to bring, to bring players in. You're being quite the party pooper today, UDC. Well, what is the ownership situation at Bristol City? How do you mean? Just, I'm just interested. I don't really know too much about whether, you know, is there a big benefactor there or is it a long-time chairman who's so from Steve the Lans- area? Or? Steve Lansdowne's been there. He, again, He's what he's doing for sport in Bristol as a whole is is quite big because he owns the basketball team and he also owns the rugby team as well. And it's all sort of under one umbrella of Bristol sport. So it's basically everyone except the gas 
really. Mass and K Club. <laughs> God, God knows what you're going to say about uh, Berry's right? finances when we get onto League Two. And, um, and, sorry, also Bristol, and also Bristol Academy as well, so the women's team, which are also doing really well. Yeah, didn't they? They're like playing the Champions League. Even Barcelona. Barcelona, even Barcelona can't yeah. win at Ashton Gate Bloody at the moment. Hell. That's, that, that's the situation they're in. But yeah, so Steve Lansdowne, he's very heavily involved. He has put a lot of money in it in the past, like almost 50 million. But I, he is always maintaining that Bristol City needs to be able to stand on its own two feet. And you think it can at the moment? What if it, so Steve Lansdowne magically disappeared? Yeah. I, I mean, I'd, I'd be confident that we'd be in a lot better place than we were in, say, 2008 or 2009 when we've got like the likes of Peter Stivar and um, Marcus Stewart and, and the likes who are maybe probably earning a little bit more than what their level level should dictate. Who's Peter Stivar? I've never exactly. heard of him. That is exactly. Never heard of him. Peter Stivar, he scored two goals against Aston Villa in the UEFA Cup and we signed him basically on the premise Google it. of two so goals. Then, before we move on then, go on. Um, 17 games in, top of the league, has been superb so far. Uh, do you think Bristol City will, will go the distance and will be a championship team this time next season? Well, we've got six more points. Anything can happen, of course, but... We've got six more points than we had um, over Leighton Orient who are in exactly the same position as we were this time last year and obviously Leighton Orient the, the bottom fell out of their campaign and uh, they they lost out in the playoffs in the bottom four mm. exactly which I mean that I mean that's that's what obviously all I think all Bristol City fans are going to fear but I think the real I mean we can all speculate of what might happen but I think the real test is going to be like you said against Preston how are Bristol City going to react to that first loss of the season and I think that is going to be the telling point. I think if they come out at Preston and they put in a performance and then they get the three points there, I think that's going to be making a massive statement of whether like their intention is going to be pushing for that promotion or is it going to be that big start full of bluster and then it's all just going to trail away at the end of the season. Well, look forward to seeing how that goes on Saturday. Uh, Sean, you're going to stay with us? Oh, I'll hang about if you want, Good Mike. stuff. More in just a second. <laughs> the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So as I mentioned at the start of the show, it's been a weird couple of weeks in the Football League with the FA Cup first round and uh, the international break sort of... Uh, and messing things up a little bit. But one game that took place uh, since the last show that we obviously haven't talked about yet was Derby's uh, 5-0 thrashing of Wolves at the Iron Pro Stadium uh, last weekend, just over a week ago. And that was a result which took them to the top of the table. And they did look, I know it's a bit early to say it, they looked like a Premier League team in waiting. They looked very good, didn't they? Whether they're a Premier League team in waiting or, or... Or you know, or not? I'm not sure. Purely by the fact that there are so many teams at various stages already this season that have looked like that, and I think I I don't see Derby running away with it this season. I think there will be an, a team that will be right up there. You know, they should be rightly going for those top two spots. But it's far too early to say that they're going to be in them at the end of the Watford season. Bias. I was going to say, is, <laughs> is Watford one of no. those teams? It might have been a Premier well, League team. We're, no, but we're, we're exactly the same as Derby because two weeks ago we were top of the league, looking like we were. You know, when we hadn't even really got out of first gear necessarily and we were all thinking brilliant you know come on let's we've got two big games we've got Birmingham away and Ipswich away this week you know let's get at least four points out of those two and we'll be a few <laughs> points clear look what happened we lost with a pair of them and now we're, we're back down into the pack and, I, and I, I could think that could just as easily happen to Derby over the next few weeks and who are they playing at the weekend? Are they playing you, are they? Yeah, they are, yeah. Oh, right, OK, that's what you <laughs> said. a big game for us, but we what could easily I? win that. We could easily win that. And then all of a sudden you're saying, oh, maybe the tables have turned. I just think it's going to be really tight this season. Uh, Middlesbrough, 
are surprising a few as well. Ita Karanka's got his mm. uh, got his, his Grant Ledbetter thinking gear this year. Fantastically well this season, isn't he? He's he absolutely is. banging them in from midfield. I mean, he scores he, a lot of good goals he, in like he long takes range the goals, free kicks and penalties as well. So that that helps. But he's certainly playing really well. Albert Adoma as well. Yeah, he's, he's been offered an extension at, at Middlesbrough, so he's obviously doing the business. The one time I saw Middlesbrough away at Charlton this season, and he got sent off for the most ridiculous just kick out, stupid. But, um, but yeah, he's doing well. And uh, what, what do you reckon? They fancy their chances? Well, they they certainly will. I think. I mean, Karanka because they're, they're no, got... notoriously bad in the second half of seasons, aren't they? They have been, yeah. Um, but it just feels like there hasn't been much attention on them, you know, pre-season. And I think you know people have underestimated Karanka perhaps really this is a guy that was on the bench at Real Madrid winning the league in Spain not too long ago and he's you know learnt from from uh, from Jose Mourinho as a lot of young coaches have gone on to do and have become established themselves as, as good managers at the top level in their own right so I think he is a massive plus for them and he seems to have got them playing really well and astonishingly good defence as well yeah with Middlesbrough only conceding 12 goals all season Wow, that's a stat. Uh, Uwe Ross has been sat by Wigan. Uh, they're in the relegation zone after a disappointing run of just one win in their last 12 games. They lost 3-1 at Bolton mm. and he said his team had Another given up. Another one of up. teams I cursed really, wasn't it? I, yeah. had, them, I had them to go I up. I think I did as well. He said, um, uh, he said, I was embarrassed by that performance. We looked like we gave up and Dave Whelan said, I still regard Uwe as a really good manager but we've played 17 games, won three and we're in the bottom three and we don't want to go, don't want to go down another division. He got to the FA Cup semi-final last year he also got into a playoff semi-final last year. He did well at Brentford. It looked like it was all going one way for Ivo Rosler. Yeah, um, where's this come from? Well, the championships just a tough league. I mean, if you look at if you look at the sides who are look who, who are lurking around the bottom of of the championship at the moment, like Brighton, Bolton as well, like Huddersfield, Fulham. I mean, they're, they're sides who you wouldn't have if you if you said at the beginning of the season who you wouldn't expect them to be flirting with relegation. But I think that's just the nature of the championship. I think just like from top to bottom, it's just such a tight league. I think all it takes is just that small, tiny run and then you just find yourself like down at the bottom like Wigan have done. It's interesting to contrast them with Derby though. You know, a team that lost in you know, in really heartbreaking circumstances in the playoff final and Wigan obviously lost in the semi-final to QPR and they haven't been able to bounce back from it. I don't know whether psychologically that had anything to do with it. I know they did lose a few players in the summer and Jordi Gomez went to Sunderland, didn't he? And they, they lost one or two others. But... You certainly would expect them with the quality that they've got and the and the the pedigree of Rosler as a manager. I didn't I, I didn't expect them to be anywhere near the near the bottom. Crazy, isn't three. it? If you look yeah. at the the bottom four, there you can't really argue with it. I suppose Blackpool, Birmingham, Wigan, and Bolton all teams that have been in the Premier League in the yeah, last five it's, years. It's, it's, it is difficult for, for for Dave Whelan. I mean, he obviously wants to get the team up the table as soon as you can. You know, you'll look at other teams in a similar situation. You know, Bolton got rid of Friedman, Lennon's come in, they've started moving up. Fulham, they've started moving up, and. It, you know Huddersfield the same as well mm. um, but then you know there are another example to look at the Premier League for example and Alan Pardew who's done terrifically well after he looked like he was out the door about a month or so ago exactly. and they've won five in a row so it can, can go either way really and I suppose the thing to say is that we you know you, you have to try and trust Dave Whelan and the people inside Wigan to, to make that decision based on not just Results, but just knowing what's going on at the club day in day out, do they have? Does it? Are they confident that Rosler and those players have still got the belief and have got the, the, the you know, the wherewithal to get themselves out of the situation, or do they sense that it's just gone and it is time for a change? And he, he's made that decision, so we'll have to wait and see. You mentioned the Pardew situation. It's just that the, these situations can be turned around in, in such a short spell of time. If you look again at the bottom of the Championship, five points between Wigan and and the top half <laughs> of the table. Yeah. So all it would be would be would be if you string two together wins. three wins yeah. two wins and a draw no, you're right. then all of a sudden 
and Wigan's situation is starting to look in from perilous to actually looking quite safe. Forrest needed that win against Norwich, didn't they? Oh. Last weekend. God, did he need that they win. He really did. did what he? happened there? With who? Which is Forrest. Just in with the, Forrest. Just their, with, their, with their great start. Their nosedive. Well, I mean, they did have a few injuries. I think Reed, Andy Reid's been out for a little while and um, I don't think that helped. One or two other injuries, but... Uh, you know, a confidence problem perhaps as well. I mean, then Stuart Pearce came in on this wave of euphoria at the start of the season with tremendous support, uh, particularly at home from those Forest fans. And then it all just sort of started falling away. But th- that was a really interesting match because, you know, Norwich are another team that started really well at the start of the season. They they were they were top of the league after three or four games, looking good, scoring goals. Um, but then they've completely dropped out as well. So uh, it, for Forest to get that win, it gives them hope that they can start building again and build the confidence back up. But Norwich, and all of a sudden, you know, you're hearing people talk about Neil Adams' position now. I didn't think it would take long. I was impressed with his start to the season, but I, I, he, he is the character, the sort of character that, for better or for worse, people like to speculate about because he's not that, got mm. that pedigree as a yeah. manager before and whether it's unfair or not you know it does seem to happen you know speculation seems to surround these people quicker than it would do somebody with more experience and I can see that happening already uh, Into League One we probably should uh, mention the fact obviously we talked about Bristol City but Swindon good win for them and they beat Preston at home the week before Preston have now actually lost three games in a row uh, which uh, shows you how important that, that game is going to be at Ashton Gate is it Ashton Gate or is it Deepdale? I don't know. Okay, I think it's Ashton Gate. I think it's Ashton Gate. It is Ashton Gate. Okay, yeah, um, o'clock on Saturday. Okay, so the uh, top of the uh, League One: Bristol City, Swindon, Preston, and Notts County, Sheffield United, MK Dons in the playoffs. Notts County, the only team in England this season that haven't lost an away game as yet. Fantastic. And Roy Carroll, who played for Northern Ireland in Romania, presumably it was in Bucharest on Friday night, for some reason I love this. decides to get on a flight back uh, to, I think it was obviously to London, and then go up to Coventry on the Saturday and play another game. Add some of that Raheem Sterling, eh? Yeah. 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 Three o'clock <laughs> in the Roy afternoon. Roy Carroll can still do it. And keeps a clean sheet as well. I'm not quite, why did Fantastic. he do that? Why did he do that? Well, he Is he on like an appearance bonus? Or? He loves the game. I don't know. Maybe they were desperate and they needed him. I don't know if there was any injuries or something, but it's, Passion it's, for the game. it's superb you know, for him to do that. And I was listening to some of the reports from that game on Saturday and it wasn't a classic by all by all, <laughs> by, all, by, all uh, by all reports but another great result for Notts County and they were they were a team that I thought might have a good season but not this good I didn't, yeah. expect, didn't expect them to be up you know right right pushing for you know three blessing them with a top 10 finish yeah well I thought they might be on the tail end of the playoffs but at the moment they're right up there um, Sean Derry's done a terrific job they've got a game in hand as well there's mm. two teams above them Coventry though who they beat struggling just one win in their last 10 in the league and they were dumped out of the cup by Worcester Worcester City last week, so it's not good there. Um, I mentioned Sheffield United in the playoffs. They won 1-0 at Doncaster on Saturday. What a goal that was by Jamie Murphy. Uh, We're not going to get into the Chad Evans saga because it just rumbles on and on, but we should uh, point out that Paul Heaton... Uh, from the beautiful self, Jessica Ennis Hill, Charlie Webster and the musician Dave Berry have all now resigned know, uh, as club patrons. Yeah, which is really, you know, heaping pressure on Sheffield United not to to take him back, despite the PFA sort of getting Sheffield United to, to let him train with the club, which is obviously what sparked this latest wave of of, uh, of resignations. But the, the, the person I was quite interested to hear from, and I didn't expect this from him, was Richard Scudamore, obviously the chief executive of the Premier League, came out last week and said, you know, I'm an employer and I wouldn't employ a convicted rapist. Uh, and I think that sends quite a strong message to the Football League. And uh, I'll be interested to see, you know, if that does have any effect on what Sheffield United do. It's If they take Chad Evans back, you know, I'm not going to debate whether they should or not at the moment. You know, that's, that's perhaps for other people to say in another time. We could be here all night discussing that. But if they do take him back, as you can see from the, you know, the, the reaction so far, they are going to have 
a hell of a hard time on their hands, and and you know when they'll th- be brave to do so, really, really brave to do so. And and I, I you know, I will briefly just say that I, I hope they, I hope they don't take him back. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't want him at my club. I agree with you, but um, I'm just wondering when do you think they make that decision by? Well, how, I, I, how, how long can they leave this rumbling on well, in the background? I, I, I suppose they'll probably leave it as long as possible because. You know, because of the the situation, and, and they probably don't need to make a decision in terms just looking at footballing wise. That he he he's probably nowhere near fitness yet. So they'll if he's just training, they'll probably wait and you know for a good few months to, to get him fit. You know, get him fit before they even thought about signing him. But then, you know, in the meantime, would other clubs come in? I don't know. Mm. You know, it, it's a tricky one for them. And I suppose, on the other hand, they probably do want to you know nip it in the bud one way or the other because it, it, once, gonna, once they make a decision either way or the other then people can start to yeah. deal with it and, and, and have their opinion after that but it's you know it is a situation that you know either way you know it's going to cause some controversy isn't it let's talk about league two and get away from that subject Luton Town the top of the league 11 games unbeaten and Luke Guthridge scored an absolute screamer against Newport in the FA Cup last week we got them in the second round which is quite a tough game Shrewsbury is second they beat Mansfield at the weekend and Wickham missed a chance to go back to the top when they lost 3-1 at home to Burton Albion on Monday and that's Burton Albion now managed by Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank what are Sky going to do for their Eredivisie coverage <laughs> what pundit are they going to use now um, what do you make of that appointment a surprising one what game were we at last season when he was there was it a Brentford? Was it, it Brentford? Brentford, wasn't it? Yeah. One of the Brentford games we went to. Was it Brenton? Brenton Orient, was late in Orient. Yeah, I think it was. Um, well, he's been. You know, I think it's perhaps easy to forget actually that well, he's managed Antwerp for for a time, and he left there and he couldn't agree a new contract, and he sort of fell out there, I think. But he didn't do too badly. But he was also, more importantly, for purposes of this conversation, he was also a coach at Nottingham Forest for about a season, I think. So he's got some experience at coaching in English football, obviously a vastly experienced player. And I actually think one of the most underrated players of his sort of generation in the Premier League, actually. Um, so, he, you know, he's done his badges. He, he lives in England. And he, I think there's no doubt, there's no danger of him being a manager that isn't necessarily going to understand, you know, the League Two football. It might take him a little while, but I think he gets it, he gets the culture and Burton Albion's a good club for him to take over. They're doing well in League Two. They've got the situation where they train at St George's Park, which is a which is you know really a, would be an attractive thing for him. Would probably helped him kind of make his mind up at taking the job. Uh, and I'd probably be quite excited if I was a Burton fan. I think um, you know when it got off to a fantastic start yeah. with the win over Wickham, who've been doing so well this season. Uh, and it's about sustaining what they've done already. And, I, and maybe uh, if you remember the, the the time when they got up into the football league. It, Nigel Clough had led them so far but actually left didn't he just before they got oh, up oh Pesky Salido yeah um, so maybe a similar sort of thing can happen this time Gary Rowett's laid the foundations and maybe Jimmy could take them up um, I just got, just got to look at Wickham I just wanted to mention Wickham uh, quickly just because at the at the end of last season when they were battling with Bristol Rovers as which team were going to go down mm. to the conference and just the, the, the complete contrast in fortunes that Wickham were, were the lucky ones who managed to stay up and now they're here they are riding third with a chance to go top of the table to again get into League One and now Bristol Rovers are sort of there mucking about in the conference. How has it been for Bristol Rovers in the conference? Um, it's been... I mean, they've they, they've 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 scored fewer goals in Telford, who are currently rock bottom oh in in the conference. <laughs> but they're, well. they're, they're 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 currently fifth. They're currently fifth in the conference, which is by by no means no means a disgrace. But at the moment, scoring goals for Bristol Rovers at the moment is a real real problem. And uh, their their manager Daryl Clark is coming under a lot of pressure, and a lot of Rovers fans getting quite annoyed. One of them one of them tried to invade the team bus. 
uh, oh, to, no. to, I mean, it's never good when when the fans are trying to invade the team. What's he going to do when he gets on? Exactly. That, I don't know if he's thought that through. Yeah. I think he was just yelling. He was yelling in the stairwell. I think this is as far as he got. But again, not ideal. <laughs> Had this man been drinking, do we know? Um, goal's not a problem for Plymouth, who uh, thrashed Portsmouth 3-0 live on Sky on Saturday. Andy Orford uh, says Portsmouth dismal away form is creating added pressure on the players. I think he's banned them from doing media interviews. Uh, they haven't won away in seven, and they've got a tricky FA Cup. Uh, I don't was beating down the door for lots of players to do <laughs> no, stream of media interviews. Uh, replay at older shots. So they're playing older shot on Wednesday night this week. So I, uh, I went to more... So we've had one on. Pardon? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so. <laughs> we can't talk. Um, I was at Morecambe on Saturday, um, my first trip to the Globe Arena. You know what? I completely oh, yeah. forgot to get a pie. Oh, for God's sake. I cannot believe it. It's the only it. reason to go. The best pies in the Football League, and I completely forgot to get Based one. Based on who? Who's, who's come out with the official survey, survey last year, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah. What official survey? Who's answering this? They were named the official the... pie is Federation <laughs> they, of the Football Club. Something like that. Yeah, look it up. Um, and uh, yeah, it didn't get much better than that because we lost 1 0. And we were very poor. Who scored? Um, it's big Kevin Ellison. Obviously, obviously yes. should, should have had a second big as well, Kev. to be honest. Um, we need to find a different way of playing away from home because our away form is costing us. We're down in mm. fifth at the minute. We've lost, I think, three of the last five or four of the last five away what games. What is it? Do you not change your style away from home? You're still playing a bit too open, is it? Mate, well, no, he played 4-5-1 on Saturday. And then when we conceded the goal, we just didn't have a way back into the game. Right. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's tinkered a lot with the goalkeeper. We've got Scott Loach in now on loan. Mm. He oh, made Scott a mistake Loach. on Saturday and he no, made a mistake in the fallen. JP. T- oh, you say he that. He was at Watford, wasn't he? He was once upon a time. He was yeah. in, he was in, in England under 21. He, yeah. pa- he passed the ball in his own net against Bristol. Well, he, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> oh, the, the thing, the thing with Scott Loach, you, you always come back to, and it's a bit harsh on him, really. It's not, it's not necessarily... Uh, his fault he shouldn't have been in the team really he was only in the team for injuries but he was in goal for the England under-21s against Germany in the 2009 oh, yeah. under-21s yeah. European Championship final who was in the opposite goal Manuel Neuer <laughs> there you go well no, Flick Croft has give us a goal <laughs> Flick Croft has, has changed the uh, the goalkeepers around remember last season I told you about Jensen when he kept kicking the ball out of play and he hauled him off at half time and mm. this season he's tried about four keepers every time they have a bad game he keeps dropping them making him I don't think that breeds confidence no, in that no, defence of all he's positions got, of all got, positions you want to get he's got to pick get him he's solid. got to pick a goalkeeper if it's going to be Scott Lodge fine but he has he's got, got to pick a goalkeeper but he's got to pick he has one to. Um, and uh, and stick with him I, yeah. I, let me finish my sentence um, <laughs> are you going to uh, are you going to say anything about David Conn's uh, report about us last week considering you're on your financial fair play uh, and I, I think I did see it yeah, I, I favourited it in my tweets to okay. read it, and I've not read it did back. It? Um, okay. It's not good reading. It, yeah, it didn't look great just from the headlines, to be honest. And it, and it did just immediately make me think of the sh- the show that we did uh, at Luton with Stuart Day. With Stuart Day, and you, and you were you know you were talking about some of the, fa- the fans at Berry who you know questioning where the money's come from and stuff, and you know some of them were perhaps willing to overlook that when you were top of the league, but maybe. Maybe we should look into it further. I mean, what was the gist of the article? Well, the headline is how Berry FC ended up guaranteeing 138% annual interest on a £1 million loan. So that's basically if you borrow £1 million and pay it back at the same time next year, it's worth it's £2.7 It's not good, basically. Is it from Wonga? Well, there's actually, there's actually a company named in here called, is it Cash for Assets? Yeah, Cash for As- Assets. Yeah. And they borrowed it's not far off Wonga, is it? 200 grand from them on the 14th of well, May. Wonga wrote off a load of their loans, though, so if you do, yeah, well, then you'll well, be okay. There you go. So anyway, um, you just got to cross your fingers and try and hope for the best, haven't you, in this situation? Yeah. Um, but we've still not added the AGM. And you know, you know what the message board and forums are like? Well, um, remember your last, one of your last AGMs when Blackwell was still there. Yeah, yeah. But you, nuts, during our during our run when we were doing really well, I remember just going on the forum one Saturday because obviously I don't, I live down here in, in London and I went on there after the game to see what people were saying about the game and the, the sort of title of the, the, the thread was something like today. Clicked on it and it was like great team performance, great victory, great goals, uh, excellent football. Now can we get back to talking about the AGM? Something like that. <laughs> so that's what the attitude was of a lot of fans and perhaps now 
we know maybe one of the reasons they've they've kept delaying it. But anyway, you can read about that if you go to the Guardian and search for David Conn's article. Um, down at the bottom of League Two, Keith Curls turned things around at Carlisle. Five wins in their last eight games. Tramier and Hartlepool three points adrift. Um, Hartlepool's goal difference minus 16 they've probably got the tie of the second round in the FA Cup would you say when they play Blythe Spartans tremendous in that yeah, big uh, northeast is it a dar- I think they're actually quite far apart in terms of the northeast my geography isn't great but it, I'm calling it a derby it's going to be live on, B- on BBC 2 I think as well uh, so that's going to bring in some uh, much needed money and one final bit that I've got written down here vanishing sprays coming in in January fantastic oh, thank God just what we've all been waiting for God, not sure why it took them so long to be honest any more for any more DC you're going to Watford Derby, are you? I'm weekend? going to Watford Derby at, at the weekend. I'm also going to um, Fulham against Brentford Ooh, on Friday night, which is a, London, a massive West London, Derby. West London Derby. So a good weekend of football on the way for me. Hopefully we'll have three points for Watford. We need it because that was a really bad week, the week before the international break. We've got some players back from injury now. Uh, How did you lose at Birmingham? Let's crack on. <laughs> How did you well, lose? They had, they had a new manager. Yeah. Um, and we, we do have that in. We made five changes. Over the last few years, we've had that in us a few times. It's a midweek away loss to a lower down team. Uh, famously did to Bristol City too. Two seasons ago, a lot of people mm-hmm. blame us failing to get up on that defeat. Actually, you change half the team that night, and people still go on about it. But obviously, there's contrasting emotions on both sides of the room. Plenty, there are plenty of games we could have done that, and you know, could have made up for it, and it'll be the same this season. But we need to bounce back. Okay, uh, remember if you head over to audible.co.uk/slash going up right now, you can take advantage of a very special free one-month trial offer that allows you to download an audiobook of your choice. Christmas is um, fast approaching. It is five weeks away. I think it is. All Aud- sorts of books coming out. Audible.co.uk/slash going up. Click get my free audiobook. The book will be yours to keep wherever or not you want to cancel before the 30 days are up. So please go to that. Important you sign up at audible.co.uk slash going up. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, another... Can you gift, can you gift it, do you think? Mm, I'm not sure, actually. I have to have a look into that. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Paddy Power offer as well. Um, you need to get involved in this. We are going up.co.uk slash Paddy Power. Set up a new account on there. Bet, bet a five and you get a 20 quid free bet. Well, that's good, isn't it? Which is perfect. Get si- do that. Get signing up, Sean. Get signing up, DC. Have you even signed up I for can't. Audible yet? I'm going to do it I now. Can't. I've, I've long since wasted all my free, free first-time offers with all the betting firms in this country. That's what okay. I need, another gambling <laughs> site to get involved with. Um, we are going up.co.uk slash Paddy Power. Uh, that is it. Sean, thanks for... Uh, no, pop thanks, in by. Thanks for Let's hope it all doesn't go tits up and we'll get you back if it well, does. Yeah, fingers crossed. Excellent. Uh, DC, speak to you next week. Uh, the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast and you can go to the website wearegoingup.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next week or the week after, whenever the next show is. This is the We Are Going Up Podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Yeah.